Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Susanna Constantine, and this is my wardrobe malfunction. How's your week been? How are you, everybody? I'm going to tell you about my week, or the beginning of my week anyway, which is starting out as a bit of a luxury because I am in an empty house. There is nobody here, no children, no husband, just me and two dogs and two cats, and I've got to say it is heaven. But it's kind of more, I know it's not going to last forever, so I'm not feeling lonely, I'm just alone. But anyway, I've got another week of it and I'm making the most of every second. That's why it was actually really nice to get into episode 62, where my special guest is the legendary multi-award winning costume designer, Jenny Bevan. I'm not really allowed to have favourite episodes, but if I was, I think this would be it. So let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors and find out what's inside. Today I am with a genuine legend of the silver screen. I mean, this woman is a multiple Oscar winner. She's won endless BAFTAs and Emmys and God knows what. And she is one of the best costume designers around today and has been climbing that ladder of excellence for a great many years. And that amazing person is Jenny Bevan. How are you? I am very well, thank you, Susanna. Not too bad at all. It's a gorgeous day. So feeling very happy. I genuinely, Jenny, I am I'm so excited to talk to you because to be honest, I find fashion pretty boring now. I'm not gonna lie. And I've never kind of approached fashion with the thing, with the sort of view of um, how it's going to look on me. It's always about how someone's going to feel wearing it. And I, I would imagine, and I'm interested to learn whether that is the approach that you have with costume design. Obviously, for someone to inhabit a character, but also to give them the kind of added ability to fulfil that role. Is that true, Jenny? Very I would long question. Just say. It's absolutely true. I, like you, have never had any interest in fashion. And in any kind of vintage market, I'm always drawn to ceramics, folk art, you know, bits and bobs, um, occasionally a piece of textile that are very beautiful, of course. But fashion, I'm the wrong shape, always have been, never fitted into anything. And, you know, just found a sort of happy uniform, which is black T-shirt, you know, black jeans, whatever. And I really don't have an interest in clothes but what I do have an interest in is is telling stories with clothes and that's exactly what I do and I'm supporting the actor in whatever role they're playing hoping to make them feel confident so when they walk on stage or walk on the set they feel comfortable or they even forget what they're wearing they just feel like whatever that character is so I I absolutely uh, you've hit it yeah but Jenny I'm wondering because I I don't believe that is the woman exists that truly doesn't care about how they look, which is very different to not having an interest in clothes per se. So do you genuinely not give a shit about how you look? Um, no, I mean, when I catch sight of myself in, in a you know shop window or something or a badly angled mirror, something I try not to do, um, I do often think, oh, God, you do look dreadful, um, and then lose a moment of confidence. So I think it's a huge amount about confidence. But sort of flat on, I'm okay, really, just about. It's sideways. It all goes horribly wrong um, for me. But I would agree, yes, of course I care to some extent, but I find it really easy to forget. So long as I'm really comfortable, so long as my feet feel good and 
things aren't parting company in the middle, which sort of horrible feeling or too <sighs> tight around the waist. So, you know, those sort of things where you just, you're just aware or your bra sort of, you know, sort of twisted and tickly. And uh, normally, you know, I'm pretty good at actually forgetting what I look like. I'm a fantastically interested people watcher. So I'm really mm. just much more interested in what other people look like and, and can forget pretty happily what I look like. But that's interesting because you must have, you know, I'm not quite sure what shape you are because I can only see your glorious hair and your shoulders. But what shape would you say you were? And, and you must have dressed actors the same shape as yourself. What shape am I? I'm genetically a Bevan. We're short, we're Welsh. Uh, we're very given to going very wide around the middle. My father was much the same and was put on a diet. And his famous thing was, oh, I've had my diet. Can I have my lunch now? <laughs> and, um, um, you know, I, I do enjoy, I, but I do enjoy really good food, not necessarily mm. chef sort of food, but just fresh and, and simple. Um, I hate processing. So, I did think I actually eat quite well, but I've always had really, sh not so short, but really thick legs and ankles. Again, it's incredibly genetic if you look at mm. us, and my sister's the same. And the first thing I looked at with my daughter, I remember my sister, I go, has she got the Bevan legs? And we didn't think she did. And actually her legs are much better than ours, but um, she had a very long, <laughs> slim father to thank for that. But our mother was actually very long and slim, and our father was short and fat and Welsh, just like, you know, I am. So you're you, you little Wel a Welsh pony. I am a little adorable. Welsh pony. You're a little Welsh pony. Uh, have you, if you were, so let's say you yep. walked into your studio yep. and you were going to be on, you were an actress coming in for, let's say, Cruella, Cruella, the most recent film that you've done that came out. What would you put her in? Me? How would you dress her? Yeah. You. As what, though? As one of the, let's say, Emma Thompson's character in Cruella, the Baroness. Let's say, let's say you were playing her. What would you put her in? That is a real challenge um, because I do tend to dress people to the actor as well as, um, you know, thinking through. Um, Emma Thompson is obviously a fabulous shape and mm. um, is very happy to be sort of cinched in to... I mean, she loves the whole character thing so I think I, as the Baroness I'd have to go probably more black you know that thing sort of like an old ballet mistress with a stick when they're sort of no longer looking as um, glamorous so it would be black trousers some kind of black top probably a sort of slightly Chinese style maybe slightly flared coat Shoes would be a challenge. I have terrible feet, so that's another mm. thing. But it would probably be a simple black something or other. And probably some kind of turban, like we did put on Emma T, and dark glasses or something, you know, to make her look a bit mysterious and slightly Russian. So why don't you dress, why don't you take elements of that for yourself in your daily life? Because I am hopefully not a horrible baroness. <laughs> okay, well, let's think of someone else. Let's think of a... Let's not think of a horrible baroness, but I'm just interested to, to see whether, if you can ever kind of perceive yourself as, as a character that you might have dressed. So you, because I think as women, we all have the, you know, we look at ourselves and we only look at the parts of our body that we loathe. I mean, I know I do that. Mm. But if I could look at myself objectively, I'd probably dress in a very different way. Well, my see, my day is very much um, mixed up normally. So at the moment, I am going out to a studio. I'm actually we're working at the moment remotely via Zoom with Australia. So we've been doing it from home, which meant getting up immediately, going into the emails, huge numbers overnight. You can imagine, and then I go out in the garden and do something a bit physical because if I sit for too long, I get very stiff. So. So I need to wear something incredibly comfortable that I can then go and, you know, hike out a few weeds or, or do whatever. And then at the moment we get actually to a little studio around the corner, which is great. Uh, so I haven't got to do that. But it's all about, and I sit at the computer an awful lot because these days we do so much research on the computer. I'm fending artists' work that's coming in all the time and, you know, trying to guide people and guide them in Australia and all the rest of it which is working remarkably well and we have to make it work. But so from point of view of what I'm wearing, it's all about comfort. And then if I was going out this evening, 
um, I probably put on what I've slightly put on the top half, which is a really simple cos navy t-shirt. Mm -hmm. I don't terribly like the sleeve, so I put over it a, I can't remember where this came from. I got it in America, I think. Um, it's just a really simple, really soft black jacket because it's really comfortable. And I don't like having anything too near my wrists ever because I just need to be able to, I've taken off the bangles because I thought they would clink, but mm -hmm. they're kind of part but of my but thing. You, I think you look fabulous because oh. you look, it's so you look sweet. like someone... I mean, you look interesting. You look like someone who immediately, you know, I feel I never met you in my life, but I immediately feel drawn to you. And oh. if, even if I didn't know what you would, what your background was, I would know that you had a fascinating, interesting background. And to me, that is so, so much more important than, you know, having had to rely on I mean imagine what it'd be like to be a kind of supermodel or something or a, a beautiful actress that's only got a part for her looks and then they go I mean mm. what would that be like mm. I can't I mean I I can't imagine that because it really has never been anywhere near my my own reality <laughs> so um, I, I mean <laughs> I'm not in danger of that one but yes I mean I've never yeah. coloured my hair. It's just fading. It used to be a redhead. Mm. It's slightly upsetting. Did you really? Oh, I was quite a strong... You're a redhead? Yeah, dark, really? dark redhead. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Like auburn. Yes, it was a lovely um, sort of Celtic red, typical. Not Wonderful. carroty, um, more more of a, a slightly more coppery colour. Chestnut. But yeah. Nice. Chestnut's mm. right. And my dad was saying, my grandmother, you know, it, it's, again, it's genetic. My daughter's got it a bit darker, but... Um, it is, we're redheads and now I'm this sort of weird pale orange very pale it doesn't look pale orange it just looks very elegant silvery grey to me oh god well there we go anyway it's, it, it's always go. a bit of a shock you know yeah okay well I'm not gonna talk about you yeah. anymore because I can tell you feel a little bit uncomfortable about that but you shouldn't because you've achieved so much and um, like I just mentioned, you um, done the Cruella film, which uh, you are going to get an Oscar for. I'm a hundred percent sure. <laughs> and in that, we have a friend, friend in common, which is um, Tom Davis. Ah, yes, uh, fabulous artist yes. maker, designer. Yes, absolutely. He was a total star because glasses were obviously worn a huge amount more in the seventies than they were. Um, now, because there weren't, weren't so many and such good contact lenses, and and so huge numbers more people wore glasses. I actually love glasses. I mean, these yeah, are just reading specs, but I'm absolutely addicted to them. I think they're the best things ever. And Tom um, came and you know obviously looked at all the actors and listened to us and what we wanted, and then brought fabulous samples. And obviously, like everything to do with costume, the whole thing happens in the fitting. You can have all the ideas in the world and all the clothes and all the spectacles in the world, but until someone puts them on. But what was so wonderful was that even though some of the spectacle frames were really quite extreme and quite exaggerated, I thought everybody looked completely natural in theirs. Even mm. Emma Thompson, who's wearing, you know, and I just love that fact that you relate to people so much more when you believe them and you're not. Um, there's no barrier between you and what they're wearing. So it doesn't look like a costume, if you know what I mean. Because I think the trick of that film was that although it was a face-off of fashion designers, it still was about real people in a way. Absolutely. And I think that where Tom was so clever was that you're absolutely right. Although the, the glasses were exaggerated, as were the costumes, mm. they they did belong to the character mm. completely. And I think maybe that's where Tom, because what he does, um, you must have had a pair made. No, I never had time. I mean, I was so busy on that film. I've never been so busy. And then I went straight into another film. And then, of course, we had lockdown. And since the end of lockdown, I've never stopped. And no, I haven't yet. But one day. Okay. Because where Tom is so clever is that he bespokes them to the shape yeah. of your face. So they, and that's just genius. And they become, you know, that to me, I would far rather pay 
a shitload of money on a mm-hmm. pair of glasses than I would even a wedding dress because a wedding dress you only wear for one day. I know. And these you wear daily. Exactly. I always find wedding, the whole thing of weddings terribly um, overrated. Yes, exactly. Overrated. <laughs> never done it myself. <laughs> never done it. Um, never wished to. Uh, oh, my but, you know, God. Um, and you're right. It's all this thing for one day. Things can only go downhill from there on. Come on. Get real. I know. know. <laughs> exactly. Tell me a bit more about the process of costume designing. And for those that don't know, myself really included, um, tell us how, how it works. Well, in my world, um, I'm normally sent a script by my agent. And if I like it then um, and, and it seems to be right, then I'll meet the director. And if he likes me and we get on, I get off the job. And then I basically work from the script and that director's vision. Um, and some have a vision and are almost micromanaging and some are just jolly happy to leave it up to you. You know, they're all different. Then I take the script and I still do by hand normally a sort of breakdown of it. So I write lists of each character and what they might need, noting when they fall off a horse into water. That'll be a stunt. That'll be stunt doubles. That'll be wet costume. Da-da-da. You know, and we have to have one big enough for a wetsuit or whatever so you just make these sort of logistic notes and by the time you've done that for every character you normally know the script backwards and actually I haven't done it on the script I'm working on at the moment because they keep telling me it's going to change and I don't want to get it in my head with the result I really don't know it well enough and I'm sort of floundering a bit so having done that I then collect research from the internet from books from whatever source, and of course, if you're doing Alexander, you're looking at Greek vases in the um, British Museum. If you're doing Corelli, you're back in the 70s in all the magazines. and trying to. I, I mean, I was there in the 70s, full mm. on. So remembering where I used to go, like Bieber and Body Map and uh, there was that crocodile and places in Kensington High Street, which is near where I lived and that sort of thing. Um, or, and then start looking for the clothes which could be vintage stores. If I'm doing Jane Austen, I'll be at Cosprop, the costume house, pulling stuff off racks. If it's really early, I'll hopefully have a workroom where I start prototyping, um, you know, whatever. If you can't find it, if it's Mad Max, you know, it's it's sort of finding stuff that you can turn into post-apocalyptic. What will a, You know, there's a logic, a logic behind everything, though, because I think that's when you get a reality and that's when you get... Um, something that is true and therefore believable Mm. so having got to that stage hopefully they've cast that normally happens rather late in my world and I will bring the actor in for a fitting either at the studio or in my sitting room or at Cosprop (laughs) or wherever again I mean I've done some such low budget things you know they'll be fitted here at home but also I'll have a rack of stuff to try on them and that could be made, that could be found, that could be whatever. And obviously, I have a few years' experience. I'm better at hitting what will work, and I know a lot of the actors. And I've had their measurements, so I know. And I've probably had a phone conversation with them just to say, this is the way I'm going, do you want to tell me anything? And then it becomes a, a dress-up process and a dialogue, because they, as the actor, will probably know the character from a different angle because they'll have worked on it and that alone more than I have gone over. I'm seeing the whole, the complete story, the complete world. And we photograph that, send it to the director. Sometimes the director's there, wait for the reaction and continue in whatever direction, you know. And that's really how it works. I mean, it's so, it is, it takes such a long time. I would imagine it's, is it, Part of the process that takes the longest for, obviously for you, it you know it does, but for the actor is the costuming from beginning to end, even more than filming, it must take longer. No, no, not for them. I mean, hopefully I get two fittings, at least sometimes three, but sometimes we have to do it in one. It's, you know, we just don't have the time. I mean, it can be so last minute. It is. Producers truly don't understand... And it's not just the fitting, it's the thinking time in between when you're, you know, it's often on a bus in the bath in Sainsbury's where it goes, oh, if we, you know, because your mind's gone free, but you've had, you've put the problem in your, you parked the problem. I mean, I'm quite last minute myself because it's actually under slight pressure. I go, oh, of course, that's what we should try. 
but um, it's very much a, you know, if I wanted to do my own thing and make my kind of clothes, I'd be a fine artist or a fashion designer. I wouldn't mm. be in this world. I, I'm. You have to collaborate with the actor and your team and and but it's not i mean what for them is normally wonderful is they find the character through the clothes and you yeah. get that once um i think it was judy don't you i think it was probably tea with mussolini and she just stood in front of the mirror at cosbrot and said now i know who this person is and i just thought that is the best thing you can ever hear you know yeah. now this is the job now i know who this person is and and um and that's my sort of aim in life, that they know who this person is. So with every creative process, what do you do if you you just can't engage and get, like, design block as opposed to writer's block? Does that ever happen to you? No, because I'm normally surrounded. I mean, like on Corella, we had such a massive team and I had two concept artists. I had five cutters who all are very creative in their own right. So. Often I'll go and talk the problem through with them and, you know, oh, you know, if we did this, this and this. Or I will get existing clothes and start dressing it up and seeing how it may or may not work on a stand or some hapless passerby, you know, to just get a, a sense. But, I, I mean, and I don't panic if I can't think of anything because, I mean, we've got a character in the current thing I'm working on where I don't think any of us, even the director's, been finding his way and suddenly I mean he wrote the character so it's kind of weird <laughs> I think if I'd written it I would have had somebody in mind but no no and um and it's really interesting and I completely stopped panicking um I did slightly worry about it because I thought oh yeah Jen and I was reading the script reading the script and I just, uh, always being told it's going to change so don't take too much notice of it thanks a lot um but also just trying to find where I could hook on to something. And I could, but it didn't seem to be the thing that anybody else could hook on to. So, I mean, I had lots of ideas. So it wasn't exactly I was blocked. I was just, obviously, nobody, everyone looked at them and went, huh? You know, and I just, but anyway, I think we're coming to something that's going to be interesting. But the pressure on, it's the Mad Max sequel, you know, doing something where everybody thinks it looks amazing, the first one to do, to come up to slightly do better the second time is, is hard. This is the thing I'm prepping that's, oh, for okay. Australia. So that's hence Australia. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and I, I won't yeah. be going until January, and we don't shoot till next April. But they have such massive stunt sequences. We often have to get stuff ready well in advance for the stunt guys to practice, and then you know, it's it's just massive and very okay. very I'm logistic. Are you very organised as a person? You must, you'd have to be, or do you have someone who's organised for you? I'm relatively organised, but I normally have the most phenomenal assistants who bully the life out of me, and they're very, very organised. And I have a very organised supervisor in Sydney who did Fury Road, so she's not any part of the whole Mad Max. She was there on Thunderdome. So, I mean, she's part of it wow. all, so she's brilliant and has a wonderful um, crew down there. And I've just got one, Lauren Rahani, here in, in London, um, who is very organised. And I, you know, drift along, sort of, I she thinks it's really funny when I'm not organised. So, but no, I'm, I'm not too bad. I'm not too okay. bad. Okay. God, I just, I, I mean, just talking about it makes me feel overwhelmed. I, oh. Because it, it is, it's all the different elements that yeah. you have to think of. So it's, you know, it, everything from dust to... Yes wet to yes. climbing in and out of something oh god yes movement, yes. movement. To... you often have to do a soft version you know like in morton did you see fury road i haven't no but i haven't seen it i mean my sister said oh jen i i you know i haven't seen it yet no it's not my kind of film though oh jen i'm sorry i you know i, I said it I'll just excommunicate you if you don't see it. And, of course, you loved it. A lot of yeah. women... Well, everyone loves it. Loves everyone it more than... Loves it. Yeah. The thing of climbing in and out of cars, in Morton Joe, a wonderful actor called Hugh Keys Byrne. I mean, they designed a car that was truly almost impossible to get in and out of, called the Giga Horse. And, um, and we had to make a, a soft version of his costume, which was actually a sort of moulded clear carapace because of his rotting flesh. I'm giving nothing away. Ah! And... Um, you know, because it was just impossible for him to sit down. or So you end up making versions of something for whatever is needed. But these films are particularly stunt-heavy. 
And that's really one of their main... I mean, the story is strong, but it's all about these extraordinary stunts they do. So, and you have to incorporate harnesses and and then you try and make that work as part of the visual thing. Whereas Cruella was just massive, but not particularly stunt. I mean, the mm. odd one, but it was more about just the people. And we didn't always have to have doubles because, you know... And they only wore them for a short time, so it, it was more like a, a regular wardrobe of clothes. But you must have to have an understanding of engineering to a certain degree with this, don't you? I mean, it's not just about... I mean, I just I can't do. get my head around. I can't get my head around how you can, you can do that. I've genuinely, I can't. I mean, I've worked with, I worked with John Galliano, who had some of the best character uh, pattern cutters oh, in the world. Oh, I love his work, yeah. And I, you know, I'd look at the pattern cutters, yes. trust me, were the ones. They were absolutely incredible. And But what you're talking about is on another level altogether, and I cannot get my head around it. I obviously work with people who are very, very good pattern cutters for stunt stuff. And I do understand. I mean, I've always been very aware. I, As I said, I'm being short and fat and having a very broad back. I'm very aware of, you know, that movement. And quite often when I try on... Um, a jacket or something I'm like you know so and mm. then that they're gonna have to have um good movement in arms and whether we use stretch or whether we you know that I mean the basics absolutely of course I'm always very aware of and, and is it safe and are we going you know have like in this costume would it be a really good idea to have a jacket because that gives you another layer to hide a stunt harness and she's going to get swung around and under a motorbike and blah, blah, blah. so what's kind of sensible um because it will give us a lot less grief and nobody you know so if you design it in in the beginning then it doesn't look like something you've added for some logistic reason right but um the actual pattern cutting no i mean i'm perfectly adequate at draping and if i have to i can do a bit of cutting but it's not my forte others are much much better at it i'm really good at dressing up stands and making characters that's my thing well that's why you're so damn good at it isn't it really but where do you think this came from because i read that your mum very sadly died Mm. from breast cancer when you were only in your Mm. mid-teens where do you think you got this flair from and this this um passion for costume i honestly don't know because my passion was theater and set design i wanted to create the world and i went to the central school of art and design in 68 or 69, and studied with Ralph Coltai, who was a massively great, he was in his um, zenith as a set designer. And um, his attitude to me was, you know, darling, he, he was charming speaking, um, you're quite good at costume, <laughs> at um, set design, you're quite good at set design. Don't you worry about the costume, you always get someone else to do them. And it wasn't a big thing. We had a marvellous woman called Margaret Woodward who taught us the history of costume, costume cutting. Another phenomenal woman called Pegorette Anthony, who was part of the V&A or something, who did history of costume, but her lectures were rather early in the morning, and I'd normally been in the theatre late at night, so I missed a lot of those. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't high on my list at all, other than the people who inhabited my sets, which was what I loved doing. And then, by chance, a boy I'd grown up with, Nick Young, we'd been to some very esoteric dance class together, ended up on the South Bank show and he had got to know Merchant Ivory via another route and he had was commissioning a film from Merchant Ivory called Hullabaloo over Bonnie and George's pictures which involved a Maharaja with an extraordinary collection of miniature paintings and three art collectors who wanted them. One was Dame Peggy Ashcroft. Oh my God! Legends. Yes, exactly. And Nick said to me, would I help her put together a wardrobe of clothes? Um as this art collector, no money involved, so it was her wardrobe, my wardrobe, or whatever, we could lay hands on. On my second visit to her in her house in Hampstead, she said, my dear, she said, we're getting on quite well. Um, I'm a little worried about going to India, because she was 70 at the time, first time. She hadn't done Jewel in the Crown or Passage at that point. Um, She said, they've they've given me a first-class ticket. If I change it for two economy tickets, will you come with me? Well, I was on that plane with her in a heartbeat and, of course, turn up in Jodhpur, India, and they just put me to work. I do crowd collecting, I do props, I look after Dame Peggy, um, I, I do whatever. I even acted in it. This is not something I meant to do, but 
I was the only <laughs> suitable candidate. I just became part of the Merchant Ivory family and did costume. And they then asked me to do work first with another designer, but then to do, um, I think, the Bostonians. It was like, crikey, okay. Um, and John Bright from Cosprop, who's been my mentor and one of my best friends in the world, came and helped and, and we became a team because he did so much. It was just wrong to say, I, you know, I designed it. Um, and um, and from having not really had an interest, I had to develop an interest. And, of course, I did because, you know. How can you not? How can you not? Exactly. Mm. And um, so long as I'm storytelling, which is one of my favourite things, you know. I suppose I told stories with my sets and now I tell stories with clothes. But clothes, it's always a bit of an oddity with me because it never has been a big thing in my life. Mm. Of course, I had a small interest in it, but not but it, a big yeah. thing. Yeah. Because then you went, it was Merchant Ivory who did Room with a View. Absolutely. And that's when you got your first Oscar. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So how old were you when you when you got that? Uh, 36. Okay. I mean, well, it's like, so you didn't have so much experience under your belt no, by that stage. No, no, So what did it feel like? I mean, weren't you intimidated going to the ceremony? I would have been terrified. I'd already been because I'd been nominated for the Bostonians before, so it okay. wasn't the first time I'd been to okay. the ceremony. And I, it was a really weird experience because you go and um, there are all these sort of parties and things and lunches, and it's much more now. But even then, I remember going to several things, and they went sort of. I think you're going to go home with your suitcase a bit heavier, and I was thinking, oh, I think we'd have been <laughs> just really surprised if we hadn't got it because there was so much hype. <laughs> You know, it was just it was just stupid, and I think if the, you know whoever named, uh, I just stood up, which apparently has happened before. You know, I wasn't the only one who. Um, anyway, so um, it it was really very nice, and it was lovely, you know, to acknowledge Cosprop, who honestly mm. also helped pay for it. Um, we never had any money on a Merchant Ivory film, mm. um, and John had taken. He just put so much love and care, you know, and. I I mean, I can really remember some of those fittings, not in the current building, but the last building and his fitting room there and, you know, uh, using real, of course, we used a lot of real pieces, which gently felt <laughs> sort of disintegrated, you know, did a great deal. I'm very good at hand sewing. I may not be a very fine costume maker, but I'm extremely good at hand sewing and, and mending and laying in sort of, um, you know, patching and, and all that. But um Oh yeah, no, we did. We um, oh, we're a bit, little dangerous sometimes in using, uh, but a lot of the clothes in that are are real because Helena mm. was a wonderful shape for it. Uh, yeah, she teeny tiny little things, so she yeah. would have fitted into yeah. that period. Yeah, yeah. I mean the blue thing she wears, a blue two piece linen suit in, mm. in the Piazza Signoria is absolutely genuine from the period. Wow. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Have you heard, talking about your sewing and your mending, have you heard, I can't remember what it's called, but there's this sort of underground, I think at the moment still, um, fad of mending clothes, but making the mending into a work of art itself. Yeah. All this sort of recycling is such a brilliant idea. And I've got a bit, I, I'm terrible for trying to get rid of stuff and, you know, and not buy too much more. But actually we should be looking at what we've got and, and reusing it and repurposing mm. it. And that is a very Mad Max principle in our wasteland world yeah. um, is to repurpose and hopefully things have more than one purpose. But 
I I don't know enough about it. I I I must look into it more. But it is mm. true. And George Miller wants us to do just because they're in the wasteland and haven't got much. There's no reason it shouldn't be beautiful. So it's a very interesting and and good, really good thing to do because this waste. I mean, you know, I, I've started to get a lot more political and um, just watching the waste and the attitude mm. and the cheap fashion and then you realize it's running sweatshops and it is at least giving people some kind of wages but there must be a better way in this world of you know uh, i mean it is oh god i hope it is evolving but i i i'm exactly the same as you it's nothing you know i've sort of not been oblivious but sort of deliberately in denial about mm, it all mm. and but not anymore and i i it is something that um I actually do genuinely worry about, you know, I worry about, and I'm just so grateful when I look at my kids who, they don't get anything new. They buy everything from charity shops or, mm-hmm. you know, sec- um, second yeah. stores. stores. Yeah. And I think so many of their generation do, which gives us hope. You know, it's a, it's a hard habit to break, isn't it? It when is. You're used to- but also um, in terms of economics, it's a hard thing to break mm. because we've all into this throwaway more, 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 bye, bye, bye society. And obviously out of that you get a lot of people needing to make, make, make. And mm. and the, and how do you, you know, how do you stop it? How do you wind back and bring it back to we need less, you know, we don't need all this stuff. And all the people who make it don't need to make so much stuff. I mean, do you, do, do you think it's the something I've never considered before, but I wonder if it's the responsibility of the big designers. You know, that's it needs to start from there. It's like I wonder what the world would be like if there were no catwalk shows, mm. if there was no Vogue, mm. if there was no fashion to follow. Mm. I wonder how things would change. It'd be very hard to know. I mean, I I wouldn't. I don't really follow any of that, but mm. and obviously all the cheap sort of the Primarchs and all that, I presume, look at the catwalks and then take their inspiration and, and get it all made in Bangladesh or, or wherever. Mm. And I've been to, in particularly in Thailand, I've been into some of those factories and actually some of them are very nice, you know. Um, they're mm. airy and good and, and people are not looking... Um, Mm. But I expect I was only showing the good ones. Um, yeah, I'm sure. But what happens to all the co- not? So let's say you know from some of the films you've Gosford Park or something. What what happens to the costumes that you work on? Do they get recycled? Or oh, totally. They- I mean, Cosprop. So Gosford Park was done completely out of Cosprop, and everything goes back to Cosprop, and then actually would have been out in a ton more films. You rent it. You rent okay, it for the run of production. Must- no, but you can't have, you know, Emma Thompson in something and Helen Bonham Carter in something else and Charlize Theron in all in the same frocks. I mean, you might, do, do, I mean, have you watched a film and, and gone, mm, I remember that dress. Oh, I yes. used it in X. Yes. I, I mean, really? not often because things look so different on different people. Yeah. So there's a blouse that I used to see from time to time. I think it was dated about 1908, and it used to pop up on, you know, um, anything dated 1908, really. And I thought, oh, I know that one, um, because I do know Cosprop stock, but I don't know Angel stock as well. So, um, But, yes, you can absolutely reuse stuff, and nobody would yeah. know. Nobody would know. So we do all the period stuff I do. I start at, at Cosprop pulling stuff, putting like almost notebooks together of clothes on the rack um, to make my different characters. And then we fit them and then we rent it. It's called for runner production. And then sometimes they're embargoed at the end in case they want to do reshoots before the film comes out. And then once that's done, they go back on the racks and anyone can Okay, question, Jen E. What about... Cruella, because surely they are so iconic, those costumes. What's going to happen to them? You can't shove those in another no, film. No, So <laughs> Cruella, all the stuff we made goes to Disney and is stored at Disney and uh, okay. Burbank. And a lot of the stuff we rented, obviously all the crowd stuff, um, all has gone back to its various costume houses. We got it from a lot of different costume houses around the world, which you could before the pandemic. Well, you still can, but you sort of do it via Zoom and, and you know, tell them what you want and they send it and whatever. But Cruella and, and Emma's stuff, I guess they're hoping it will 
do things at Oscar time and they'll bring it out for exhibitions. But yeah. basically it's kept at Disney and then they do whatever they want to do with it. Which film are you most proud of? That's probably a very difficult question to pinpoint anything. But is there... I mean, to some extent, Mad Max, because it mm. it was so out of my comfort zone and sort of proved I wasn't just a period costume designer. Corella, because of the scale of it and because I think it's a really fun film. Mm. It remains of the day because I think it's one of the most complete films. It's very laid back design, costume sign-wise, but to me that's a really, I just love watching it. You know, mm, so it hasn't dated at all. No, it hasn't. Just beautifully made. It's such an exquisitely visual film. So you are traveling the world all the time. Not obviously now, but you are. Do you have a comfort blanket? Is there anything that you take with you everywhere? Um, no, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I, I do. To be absolutely honest, um, um, I don't have a teddy bear. Um. Or, okay. um, I mean, it could be a bag that you always take. Could be a, for me, it's a you know one of the things I always take is a, a baby pillow. Oh um, no, no, no! I'm afraid I don't. I mean, I, I buy those sort of neck pillows and then forget about them. So I've got quite a stash, really, um, and mm. then never use them. No, I, I, I don't have a water bottle or anything of that ilk. Traveling, um, I just get on the plane and and do it. Just get on the plane and go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you must get offered so many films how do you decide which ones you're going to take on what will grab your attention I, yeah I mean in the it, originally I mean I just took everything going because I was trying to pay a mortgage and look after a, a daughter with a, a very delightful partner but he never made any money and then went off so I mean it was all about just earning money and sometimes taking a job I hadn't really thought I'd want to do was was far more interesting than that than you know what appeared to be obvious so I but now it's really a lot about the director I adore Mark mm. Forster who I did Christopher Robin for and I've just done Whitebird in Prague I love George Miller mm. he's a challenge but um uh, you know, it's so interesting working with him. And the only problem for me will be being in Australia for nearly a year, I think, next year. And <gasps> feels like an awfully long time to be away from home. And not that I don't like Australia or like Australians. And, you know, it, it just feels like it's a bit long. Where will you be based in Australia? I think Sydney to start, but then we're shooting in Broken Hill and in Stockton. And I can't remember the other locations. Sort of deserty you know, raw places. So, yeah, we won't be... I mean, the location's always a bit bleak on a Mad Max film, as you can imagine. Yeah. I don't know what Broken Hill is like now, but Leslie Vandervelt said um, it was fairly basic when she was there before. I can't remember exactly what the problem was, but something pretty major, like in her hotel. And it's a mining village, a mining town in western New South Wales, I think. Um, okay. With not a lot... <laughs> to offer a lot of of wasteland you know so um just what we need just what you need is there a prop or is there something that you've designed be it a corset or a cane that you feel kind of helps a character to transform or an actor to transform more than most is the one thing you can pinpoint? I'm asking really difficult questions. Yes, these are the Sorry. questions I had, um, you know, written down on my right, um, for which I had actually bought my wonderful, you know, white Nikes, which have become my go-to shoe uh, due to having... We will get onto the white, very wide, white Nikes. ...wide feet and needing prosthetic, uh, or whatever they're called, prosthetics? No, no, something like that. Anyway, it'll have been in Mad Max or Corella. I was terribly pleased with the turbans Justin Smith made for Emma Thompson and that was very much my idea because everybody thought the Baroness would have big hats and I was thinking, hmm, you know, and also she's getting in and out of cars a lot. That seemed like a, a possibly tricky idea. And the turban thing, I just, I'm sure I've used turbans before, but I don't remember it and it just felt like such a stylish thing mm. um, to do. And there was a lot of, Oh, you know, we're not sure. And I thought, oh, well, go for it, Jen, you know. Um, let's mm. see. And, and Emma <laughs> obviously loved it. It saved her an f- enormous amount of time and hair and makeup. She could of put course. it on herself. But also, far more than that, with Tom's glasses, it was just such a good look. And I'm really proud of that. 
both those films, they are, they really are, you know, because they're original costumes that yeah. you've designed. I mean, that's, you know, that is the same as being a painter. You know, yeah. you've got your legacy. It can be an exhibition in its own right. I mean, that must give you huge satisfaction. I, I'm very pleased with both those films, definitely, because, yes, I think I did good work. My crew did fabulous work. And they are great films to watch. So it, for me, that's it's not much use if I do. I mean, I've done some films where I just think I've done a really good job, but the film itself is just, bleh, you know. And then it's just so disappointing. You just forget about it, really. Yeah. Whereas both those films, I think, I mean, people still seeing Cruella and writing to me saying, my God, I just saw it. Oh, it was great. You know, I really enjoyed it. And seem to be enjoying the whole film as well as mm -hmm. what it looked like, which is the best. Okay, this is a, another question. Okay. Which, what good films are coming up now? Because you, you must be on the Oscar viewing panel or whatever it's called. I so am. What good films? Because I can't find any decent no. films at the moment. There's bugger all. Sandy's done something called Mothering Sunday, which sounds really interesting, but isn't okay, out yet, um, I don't think. Um, it got well-reviewed somewhere or other. I'm, I'm like the sound of white... White, White Bird, Bird filmed in Prague. White Bird, um, I don't think will come out till next year. As will mm. Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Now, Mrs. Mrs. Harris, Harris goes to Paris. Is a Paul Gallico story was made with um, oh Angela Lansbury in the yeah. a long time ago. This is a new version, a slightly fuller version, slightly added to with Leslie Manville, who is. And we saw the cast and crew on Sunday, and she is absolutely staggering. I mean, you believe her all the way. She's amazing. She is I, I was totally so hoping amazing. I was going to meet her because she was, as you know, she's playing Princess Margaret yes. in the next thing. And, and I was going to talk to her because I knew um, Princess Margaret quite well. Wow. And she wanted, she was going to talk to me, but I never got the call. And I was oh. slightly gutted because I, she, to me, she is, she is, you know, one of the top three actresses. Absolutely. In the world at the Absolutely. Yeah. And underrated, but. I mean, the only reason I kept watching Phantom Thread was Leslie. I mean, I just thought yeah. nothing about it rang true, but Leslie was, she's mesmerising. And basically, Mrs. Harris, it's, do you know the story? No, I don't. 1957 London, a cleaner sees a Dior frock in one of her clients' wardrobes and just sets her heart on getting one. And the story is how she gets it. <gasps> and it involves putting together a Dior in fact, his last show, the 57 show, on, I have to say, no money in COVID in Budapest. Not the easiest combination of things. So this was you. This is your, your costumes. Yes. And this oh, is next year. God. It won't come out okay. till next year. Okay? Yeah. I think April. Uh, it's okay. not perfect. And there's a moment which is, I'm not even going to mention it because hopefully no one else will notice it, but it's like, oh, my God. And Lauren and I both nearly had a heart attack. But... <laughs> Forget that and forget, you know, I'd love to have just done little tweaks here and there because mm. the, the film is glorious, feel good, lovely cast. Everybody in it is great. Beautifully shot by a young guy called Felix Wiedemann, who's really mm -hmm. talented. And I think the camera crew in, in Budapest were excellent. Oh, Luciano Arrighi is production designer. I think we get away with the Dior show. We had to make it, Cosprop and Jane Law actually made Dior frocks. Watch my Instagram, you'll see, because um, I'm just doing that at the moment. Um. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be right on there. And quickly, what's White Bird? Tell me about White Bird. So White Bird is um, it's a graphic novel by R.J., and I don't know quite how you say it, Palacio, who wrote the story Wonder. And Wonder was the film with Julia Roberts about the boy with the facial disfigurement oh, yeah. came out a couple of years ago so in our story the boy who bullies that boy Jacob Tremblay's grandmother is telling her story so it's associated with that and the story is of a young girl in in France in the 40s um Jewish girl and it's supposed to be free France and all that but ends up having to hide in a barn for two years um and it's uh, Mark Forster, who I think I, I just adore working with, um, mm. we did this Christopher Robin with Ian McGregor, and he he directed it, and we did it in Prague, which actually was very different to Budapest. It, I love Prague. I've done three films there, and we had a fantastic crew. And it was just me and Lauren and a Czech crew, 
but um, I think I I've got a feeling it's got a really Helen Mirren plays the grandmother. Gillian Anderson is the mother of the boy who hides the little girl in their family barn, and um, the kids are amazing. The little girls Ariella. Glazer and the boy is Orlando Schwert from Australia who was the boy in The True Story of Nick Kelly mm-hmm. um, and they are absolutely mesmerising both 15 or something and I think it's going to be a very beautiful film. We've got that to look forward That's to. That's next um, year as well. That Yeah they sound great they sound like real real films. But this year I honestly I really haven't I've been so busy and then when I did get a bit of time off, there was so much to do to catch up with life, mm. you know. <laughs> so which do you prefer, life or work? Because I know which one I prefer. I prefer I prefer work. <laughs> I find life so much more complicated and difficult than work. Work is straightforward by I comparison. I honestly don't know. I mean, right at this minute, I, mean, I think it's the whole thing of going to Australia for so long when, you know... I'm 71. I don't have endless time left. Because You're 71? I know. I'm not. Trust me, I'm not flattering you. Are you really? Yeah. Well, if I do that, hold on. Okay, you look 15 like exactly, that. That's unbelievable. Um, yeah. But, um, no, seen under the wrong light, I look at least 115. Okay. Um, but... <laughs> I love the work and I actually probably think I can't do without it because I need that. Mm. I need that sort of stimulus. I need stress. I know it's weird. I need to be challenged and it really keeps my mind active, which is what I love. But when I'm not working, I got involved with a charity, which I thoroughly enjoyed. It's called Pin Your Thanks. I got involved with a couple of my daughter's projects because she's a theatre producer who couldn't, you know, she's now started to work in film and she developed something called Read Through, which is worth mm-hmm. looking up. It's um, wearereadthrough.com. Her stepson's quite challenged with English, was going to see an inspector course in Birmingham. Of course, it got cancelled. One of the cast in it was with Caitlin at Manchester University and said well let's and I think Caitlin thought let's do a zoom of it for for Zach the her stepson to see if it helps him and he played a part and it was brilliant and then they did a sort of prosy version of Macbeth or just a a slightly you know because Alistair the actor who was in it um also has a, a you know master in English so that was a massive success, and I swear it was my idea. But of course, Caitlin says it was hers. You know, why don't we take this further? So they've been doing it in schools. How so fantastic. they get a wonderful young cast, and they had George Mackay did Romeo in Romeo and Juliet. Harriet Walter was in. I'm sorry, I'm completely forgetting. Joe Lysett is a dear friend of ours because he was at Manchester as well. He was the porter in Macbeth and was absolutely terrific. I mean, he's you know, and so she's got all these wonderful things going. So I just thought actually I think there is another life where I would be busy that isn't necessarily costume design and then if things came up like she's probably going to work with the producer she did a film called Mrs Lowry and Son with very low budget but interesting wonderfully written or Mm. beautifully written interesting projects maybe that's where I want to go next rather than this blockbuster thing because it's and you're managing, you know, a massive team of people and everybody's on Corella. I had such clever people. Of course they had egos and, you know, just occasionally you get that sort of, you're into a mother to all, you know, and it's, mm. it's, gosh, it was, it, I mean, on the exhausting. whole, it was fine. Exhausting just, is the word. Yes, oh absolutely. Bloody exhausting. Oh. And oh I live in Peckham, which I love. I'm a I know Peckham well. Do you? Because I used to. Well, I used to work. I don't know. Well, I know Lewisham better. Okay. I Caitlin's used to go Lewisham. through Peckham on my way to Lewisham. Yeah. 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 No, it's That's but all great. the studios are West London, so you end up. And I have a driver, of course, if I'm doing a big thing. But you know, you just think, oh no, not the A three one six again. Please, can we go down along the river? And, and it's still an hour and a half. You know, and you just think, oh. But oh, um, anyway. God. So, darling, I have to ask you if you maybe you've never had a wardrobe malfunction. I suspect you haven't, but I suspect maybe one of your costumes has had a malfunction for me what everyone thought was a malfunction was what i wore to the oscars and baftas for mad max fury road which caused a complete 
outcry because it was basically black pla- pleather, sort of biker jacket from M&S, pair of M&S jeans and some sort of biker boots. And, of course, my shirt tails were hanging out and, you know, all the rest of it. Um, and, and I got, you know... Stephen Price is very different, saying, um, you know, I, I look like a bag lady, which is absolutely true. But it was a sort of, it was supposed to be an homage to my film because I look bloody stupid in a dress. And so I would never wear a dress. I normally wear trouser suits if I'm going to look smart or some form of that. But but that did me no harm whatsoever. But it definitely had people... Didn't it make you feel kind of... I would have felt so exposed. How did it make you feel... I think um, because being older and, you know, being around a bit, it, it helps how you cope with this thing. I mean, I did it deliberately. I had no idea it would cause such um, a furore. I absolutely, I walked quite slowly to the stage because I was a bit worried there were cables and things, you know, I didn't want to trip mm. up and make. And I did notice that uh, whatever his name was was sitting looking at me and I thought, okay, fine, whatever. Um, but I mean... The really weird thing about it all was it didn't bother me in the least and people seemed to love the fact I wasn't pandering to, um, you know, the convention of the gown. And it did me no harm in many, many ways. But it was really interesting coming back to England, the amount of people who then recognised me, really out of the blue. And I'd be, even on New Cross Railway Station, I got stopped, are you that costume designer? Oh, we loved, you know, whatever, Mad Max and all that. And so it was always positive. The And then Good. I got offered a book if I wanted to write a book, which, I mean, I just had one day maybe, but, you know, wasn't the moment. But I I was offered, what's his name? Rankin took photographs oh. for a women's thing that was to do with Jude Kelly and the South Bank. And I mean, it was really fun. And women of the world, I spoke and joined the Women's Equality Party and, you know, obviously still a member, but um, so it had a massive knock-on, fabulous effect. And I never worried because I knew I looked like me. I mean, yeah, you know, and Sodom if they didn't like it. So I had no problem with any of the negative things, which actually then they all retracted. Inarati, that's his name. I mean, I've got, I've got such a nice email. Was he the one like that? Yes, exactly. I got such a wonderful email from him. I know, but you know, I mean, yeah, it it was so water off a duck's back. It really couldn't have. I couldn't have cared less. And I remember giving the speech and thinking they're going to blank me out but I'm going to say that I think our film is prophetic which oh my god it was and looking down and I could see George sitting there with his owl specs smiling at me and that that was just brilliant you know and and the our Mad Max gang and I could see um Charlize and actually Kate Winslet was there that year who obviously wasn't it but you know and I, I could just feel this sort of and they were smiling and and it was lovely brilliant. it was lovely and it was nice to be able to say you know for George Miller that you know he made this that that's the reason we're all standing here and yeah so there fantastic. are really good sides to all this daftness because yeah. it is daft completely daft the whole thing you know well the ceremony is daft but the the awards aren't daft and especially when it comes to you yeah, you well. deserve it <laughs> you are very very kind but anyway so so it was fine I mean I barely think about it and if I, I do, it's only with positive thoughts because Good. that's all that came out yeah. of it. But, I mean, costumes, I think the worst was, um, and it isn't very bad, but it happened, it's, again, like I said, when we used real pieces of clothing. And on Howard's end, when Helena comes to um, the wedding and brings the basts with her, she was um, wearing a lovely, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was sort of real arts and crafts. And John found this fabulous um, old stole, beautiful old piece of, and it was just perfect and complemented the whole thing, but it was definitely fragile. And he said to Helena, so it's hardly, it's more John's than mine, you know, just be careful and don't touch it, but, you know, it does look great. And she said, I'll be really good. Yes, it looks great. And as she started speaking, she picked up the end of it and started sort of mashing it. And we both sort of went, oh, no. <laughs> anyway, we managed to get through. I can't remember what we did, sort of just shunting it down a bit further each time. And then I had, 
I thought I'm just going to try and find something that we can either spray or, or paint. And actually, Liberty's had the most incredible piece of ombre chiffon or something in the days when they did really interesting fabric. Mm. Um, we made a new one and, and paint, you know, obviously I did a little painting, a little um, whatevering into it. But that was probably the memory of us both standing there going, oh, no. Oh, and the God. one thing you can't do, you know, is tell an actor how to uh, don't touch something. You should never, ever get in. I've never done it again. If they wear something, whatever happens, happens. Lesson well learned. Exactly. And finally... Jenny, your birthday suit, what makes you feel a million dollars? And what the hell were those trainers that you were lofting up? Oh, yeah. Well, is that your birthday suit? No. These are my Nike trainers, which I do rather wear all the time. I have five pairs in various stages of dilapidation. These are the new ones. So they're sort of box fresh. And they're all white, are they? They are completely white. white. They couldn't be more simple, which is probably why I like them. What size feet do you have? Uh, nine to nine and a half UK. What? How tall are you? Uh, five foot six. I've just got really big feet. And oh they're wide. Oh my God. I know. It's a real challenge. My life is a challenge in clothes. <laughs> but that's why you're so stable. Because you have <laughs> oh, yes. Feet. I don't fall over too often. No, no, no. no. Yeah. These are for best, as and when. Okay. So would you wear those to a black tie event? I might do, but I might add a sparkle to them. Okay. The thing is, I do truly have a really bad feet and I wear, you know, properly made um, things in the shoe and my mm. feet are very wide. That's just natural. So to have comfy feet is the most important thing. And I have one pair of black, shiny, um, patent sort of brogues, really, which mm. also are good. And I keep trying to find a replacement pair. And I have sort of other shoes, but they're not quite as comfortable. Either my heel slips out the back or they're slightly pinchy. I'm quite aware of um, if my feet are comfortable and I'm not thinking about them, I am very, very um, at ease. And mm. also, but they need to feel supported, not just... And I've got to feel... They look okay. And the nice thing about bright white trainers is they're kind of quite funky and fun mm. on the end of a pair of jeans, trousers, what have you. But I have got the black shiny ones if needed. I bet. Those are your party shoes. Those are my black party shoes, yes. Okay. I, so I think we can call your trainers then, the Nike trainers that you got. I think they can be your comfort blanket. Okay. Yeah, they, they can be as well. Because you have yeah. five pairs. Okay. And then what about for best? What about your birthday suit? Um, it could be a dressing gown. It could be anything. Something that makes you feel great. It could make you feel, oh, thank God, I'm home. I now feel happy. Or These are the most difficult questions I've ever been oh, asked. For God's sake, woman, you are, you know, you're the best in the business. You, these answers should be rolling off your tongue. No, because Come I on, get a grip. At the beginning, um, you know, um, things that make me feel really, really happy, and I would do a guided tour of my house, is um, things like the pottery from Don Carpentier and this beautiful um, tinware he made. He was an extraordinary man. I met on a film, The Europeans, back in 70, wow, in yeah. New England, and remained a friend. He died, sadly, a few years ago from motor neuron. And he was like a recreation of the 18th century. And he took up pottery, having not realised it was in the family many generations before. And honestly, his stuff is so near the 18th century. Wow. Techniques, and he used to get... He has a whole village, upstate New York, on his father's farmland, where he created a basically from buildings that were going to be uh, demolished and moved them stone by stone, brick by brick, um, plank by plank, uh, to Eastfield Village. And, um, I mean, he could do anything with tin or with... And he, so a lot of things in my house were made by Don. And that is my comfort blanket. I Nothing to do with the clothes, actually. Sorry. Yeah. No, but you know what? You're true to yourself. And so you yeah. don't have a birthday suit. No. You don't have birth... You'd rather not have to wear any form of glamorous... Um, Absolutely. Suitage. I mean, I can do um, smart enough, you know? Yeah. I can get away with it, and I am respectful. But, no, the, the comfort blanket is these and odd paintings I've got or particularly things by people I know. I've got all sorts of... Most, most of the house is things 
people I know have made them, given them to me, or I've found them and they have a story, a history. That's well, what I like. Can I tell you what I think you ought to or could think about wearing for the Oscars when you go and collect your Oscars? Why don't you do... Can I ring you before, yes? Yeah. yeah. Too fucking right you can. I'll come and see you, but oh, I great. think you should, um, because I literally am in love with you. Um, oh. But I think, what about a turban? And then you get Tom, oh, yes. so Tom from Cruella, and then you get Tom to make you a fabulous pair of glasses. And then it doesn't then just Genius wear black idea. and that's it. Genius idea. Okay, I will. I'll, I'll talk to young Tom and we'll get that in motion. I doubt, I mean, yes, of course, there's a very good chance it was. It, it is a showy film that I will be nominated. Whether mm. I'll get there or not is quite something else because I will be in Australia. Of course you will. Well, you, they're still going to Zoom, but that's perfect. Yeah, Jenny, yeah, because yeah. they'll have be you better by, by Zoom. Zoom, actually. And then you just need to wear the glass and the turban. Exactly, and we can fix it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, my love. I thank you so, so much. Oh. It's such a privilege and, and to talk to you and so interesting. And I'm really grateful because I know how bloody busy you are. And I've really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, same. And I just send you a big fat kiss from Sussex to Peckham. Mm, got it. Mm. <clears throat> Thank you, Jenny. I literally could have spent the rest of the day with her. You can find Jenny and keep up to date with what she's doing on Instagram at Jenny Bevan Designs. And you can keep up to date with us at MyWardMel on our socials, on our website at MyWardMel.com or by dropping us an email at help at MyWardMel.com. I know I bang on about this every week, but if you have time to subscribe, rate and review us on your chosen podcast platform, it would be hugely appreciated. Finally, you can find our brilliant house band duo at duoguitarmusic.com or at duoguitarmusic on their socials. So that's it. Thank you so much again to Jenny, to Duo, and of course, thanks to you for listening. Catch up soon. Until then, my wardrobe is officially closed. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.